0: The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Metis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands.
1: You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hello and welcome to another episode of the sex Ed with tim podcast i am your host tim i am a sex educator i identify as chaotically gay and <laughs> tucha i have a question for you hit me what do you call two ants on a date what romance (laughs) that's so stupid that's so good no it's not (laughs) i hate it
1: i'm gonna use it (laughs) here's
0: another one why should you never date a tennis player why because love means nothing
1: you know, it's been really nice talking to you. I know this is another yeah, episode not... of the podcast. Bye, bye.
0: Okay, one more, one more, one more. I, I promise, I, I promise. Go, go, knock, go. knock, knock, knock.
1: Okay, shit, who's there? Owl. Owl who?
0: I'll always love oh, you. bye.
1: <laughs> you were like. Super drunk writing these on last night and like these are great. <laughs> They're so stupid. Oh my god.
0: I, if I ever fail as a sex educator, I can truly make a career as a comedian. A Netflix bad one. Netflix will
1: give you no, I think Netflix will give you oh. a season for sure.
0: True. Netflix yeah. come through. If you need like a gay funny <laughs> sex educator, let's get into it. <laughs> oh my god. So listeners, if you haven't picked it up by now, we are gonna be talking all about love and Love. Ugh, the gross feelings of love. <laughs> uh, Tucha, I don't know if you like heard this, but like, um, I made a joke in another episode where I say that I'm sick. I actually have the incapability of mm. producing love, mm. and I can't love another man. So I am type one diabetic. <laughs> um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> And we're here we're here to explain all yeah. the emotions we'll get into yeah
0: it. see if we can find a cure for my diabetes let's get let's, it. Let's,
1: i mean that's a big <laughs> that's a big challenge <laughs> <So> we'll try
0: <laughs> we'll try oh gosh well let's start Let, introduce mm-hmm. yourself to us
1: okay so my name is tuche i am a um, certified sex educator at intimacy coach um i'm half turkish half canadian but very turkish name I'm currently doing my PhD in transpersonal psychology and human sexuality. And when people heal transpersonal psychology, they're like, what the fuck is that? Essentially, branch of psychology, different from clinical psychology, it looks at the mind, body and soul. So more of a holistic way of looking at human sexuality rather than just your mind. Um, So yeah, uh, that's kind of what I'm doing. Along the side, I'm also working for two places and I'll plug them quickly because they're great resources. I'm working for a place called Kama. Uh, It's an app also available uh, if you have an iPhone Um, and it's a sexual wellness app. So we look at how we bring in science, neuroscience, as well as some ancient practices um, to see if we can give practices to couples or individuals to, you know, make them become better lovers, whether that's if you want to learn how to deep throat, fisting, <laughs> give a blowjob, any of those, I know they're that's all right. there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm also working for a Tantra center that's based in Vancouver, so in Canada. That um, It's not neon Tantra, it's based in a separate lineage, and they look at yeah different Tantric practices, and I'm currently going through their training as well. So that's called Authentic Tantra, if you're interested in Tantra.
0: I love that. So like you're basically the most qualified person to talk about love. <laughs> no, and, like, I know me hell,
1: personally had me. a shitty love life, so I don't know if we <laughs> can say
0: that. Really, like what sex educator hasn't had a shitty love life? Seriously? Like we've all had shitty love lives.
1: <laughs> we're all just but trying to fucking cure our trauma seriously.
0: We'll try to cure it. So this is what we're gonna be talking about for the like mm. the next hour. Like let's unpack love. Like let's do let's, it. Let's start with the definition of what is love baby don't hurt Mm. me you know like um (laughs) not so much like the poetic love like Mm -hmm. you know not shakespearean uh, Mm. how do i lovely let me count the ways i want to know first (laughs) of all like what Mm -hmm. is love what does it look like uh when we're interacting with someone we love and Mm -hmm. what does it look like in the brain when Mm -hmm. when we love someone
1: mm-hmm Yeah, I wasn't gonna give you any Shakespearean bullshit anyways, although that is beautiful, but let's get it into, is. it's pretty, let's get into, uh. but you know. <laughs> let's, let's be real okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so love essentially, and this might sound very non-romantic, but we'll get into the, you know the the romantic part of it, I guess later. But love, when you look at love from a evolutionary psychology perspective, it's essentially an emotion that is meant to keep people together bonded enough in a committed relationship to produce an offspring so that our human species can evolve i mean that is (laughs) so sad (laughs) it's just a chemical
0: that makes us want to (laughs) reproduce
1: exactly so that's kind of from like the evolutionary psychology perspective love or the the feeling of love um was essentially built on that and of course I think love has evolved. And you know, how we express love, how we view love, how we live through love has evolved. But like, when we look at what love is, it's essentially an emotion that whether it's an offspring, offspring or not is meant to bring you together with one person or many people together enough to at least um, form some sort of unit, some sort of uh together into some sort of family. Uh and you know, children are, I guess, the cherry on top if you want children. But Ew. you know, uh, exactly like come <laughs> on. <laughs> Who fucking wants that? Uh, um, in this economy? Mm-mm. Exactly, seriously, don't have kids. On, please. <laughs> um, no have kids. Okay. Anyway. Um but it's interesting. So when you look at regardless of what type of relationship uh, you're in, how you identify, um, you know, what your sexual orientation is, how we live love in our brain is similar in all aspects. So um, most of the things I'll talk about is actually based on Helen Fisher, which some people might know, and she has an extensive, you know, extensive studies on her whole career is about understanding why we love how we love how we fall out of love. So a lot of things are based on her studies. I know it's amazing. If you're interested, go watch her TED talk. I think it's called The Brain in Love. But I'll give you kind of like a rundown of what happens. So love is essentially broken down into um, three different components. So when you're falling in love, there's a lust component, an attraction component, and an attachment component. And it'll get a bit sciency, but sometimes people like to understand like what's happening in the brain. So I'll try to keep it me, light but science. science. <laughs>
0: I'm a so, robot. So.
1: <laughs> Same, we're like love a is. heartless
0: unloving robot.
1: <laughs> just trying to work it through. Mm-hmm. Um so love so when we look at lust, um lust essentially is just driven by your desire to want to have sexual gratification like period just want to fuck though so just just want to fuck essentially but you're just horny and just want to fuck so from like an evolutionary perspective um what's happening is regardless again of who you're attracted to and how you identify your body is producing immense amounts of testosterone and estrogen which are essentially sex hormones that we all have and regardless of
0: your female male or whatever
1: exactly exactly i think um, so depending on yeah i guess depending on um female male you know male identifying or people with penises i guess would have more testosterone but that might of course differ um well we essentially both have these hormones running through our veins um and what happens is when when we're feeling lust these hormones are boosted and essentially, what you want to do is you're motivated to fuck that person, period. So that's one, one sign that if you are constantly you know, having a boner or you're turned on, you're super wet, you're thinking about them, you're fantasizing them, if you're lustful around them, this is one sign that you might be falling in love. So... So Ew, <laughs> I know, girls. Girls, so Ew. Porn, girl.
0: can i just like fuck them without the love portion please
1: <laughs> interesting question we can get into later oh, um yeah. but the 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 second component of love is this idea of like attraction and this is super interesting so when and this could be not just physical but also just that whole person's you know like charm around their intelligence around and people you know people are triggered by different um different levels of uh attraction attraction can mean different things but essentially what's happening is when you're attracted to someone um the part of your brain pathway that controls the reward system essentially gets uh turned on so this is why you feel like the other person is kind of like a prize to you which is why at the beginning of any sort of relationship when you're talking with someone and you're really like into it with them or you're maybe going on first dates or maybe you just started fucking um all these chemicals like dopamine Uh, Or, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, like mostly dopamine actually is being released, which means that you're super giddy, you're super euphoric, you're super like, this is amazing, this is my person. And essentially, uh, this leads you to also have like low appetite, you can't sleep. and
0: Wait, really? It, when yeah, you're yeah. attracted to someone, you can't sleep, you can't yeah. eat? Yeah,
1: it's gross. Oh my God. I Maybe I should try
0: loving someone so I can get into a diet or something. <laughs> exactly. Watch me fall in love with someone and, like, my waist is
1: smashed. <laughs>
0: Skinny. It's
1: just, that's just the reason why. Skinny exactly. and tired. <laughs> Skinny and tired. How girls summer exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's kind of what's happening. So you also have this like intense amount of dopamine being produced. So you're essentially like on edge and obsessed with them, which is why um, most people will feel like when they first start getting into relationships, a relationship is like so consuming, so exhilarating. There's so much um, that, you know, you're just like on edge by. Um, and then the third one is attachment. So attachment, I mean, as we all know, like plays like a very predominant factor in the success of any sort of long- term relationship. Of course, now we're talking about people falling in love with the idea of wanting to get into a relationship with someone. So um, lots of studies, mostly Helen Fisher looks at they, they found that like when people are falling in love, uh, the body's also producing a lot of oxytocin, which is the cuddle hormone, the bonding hormone. So if you have dopamine, ox- I mean, your body's literally fucking you over, you have dopamine, you have oxytocin, you have all these hormones are being pumped uh, in large quantities when you have sex with that person, or even if you're kissing them, touching them, and it just makes you feel super bonded with that person. Um, and this is kind of like chemically what's going on in your body and mind, which is what's happening when you're falling in love so you feel very bonded you can't sleep you feel you see them as like a prize and you just want to fuck them and that's when you know you're in love
0: (laughs) girl that sounds dangerous
1: i mean that sounds scary
0: (laughs) but also like i guess if you're into that kind of stuff go ahead (laughs) i mean is anyone into it (laughs) (laughs) not in this lifetime girl oh that's so scary i mean it's sweet scary exciting and Mm. like nerve-wracking and it's all that stuff so it's kind of sounds like like a trip like an acid trip yeah (laughs) literally (laughs) wait that's what i mean like is being in love kind of like being on drugs like are there similarities in the brain patterns
1: 100 percent. so um a lot of the parts where they found a lot of the parts when people say so they, they did like all MRI scans and all this stuff. So when someone states that they're in love with their partner, especially at the beginning of a relationship, they scan their brain and they look at what parts of the brain are lighting up. And the same part of the brain, um, that if I was an addict and I was using cocaine, for example, is lit up when I think of someone I love. So essentially that part of your brain that has to do with addiction, um, is yeah, you're literally addicted to the person. Let's say that. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it is definitely like an acid trip. Uh, and then we'll get into the breakup side of it, which is why the, 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 the high the as good down. as the low. exactly. Oh,
0: gosh. Like, I swear, I would rather do cocaine than fall in love. Because that means, <laughs> hey, cocaine has never hurt me, girl. <laughs> it never talked back to me. <laughs> <laughs> it never talked back to me. It never, like, said any sort of slurs. <laughs> I would rather date cocaine than date another man. Let's be real. <laughs>
1: Take notes. Day, oh right! Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. So yeah.
0: you said lust, attraction, and w- what was it again? Attachment. Lust, attraction, and attachment. Those are the three parts that comprise of love.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Right.
0: Okay. So are there like different types of love? Like, I'm. I can love a friend, but mm-hmm. I can also love a family member in a different way, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um yeah so there are many different types of love, and you know if we want to get into it, like the Greeks have <laughs> kind of reduced it to I think like twelve types, twelve categories, but of course love Jesus I, Christ I know them they're like here are all the types
0: that's a um, little too much love so. for me,
1: <laughs> so no, so you're right though, like theres types like Agape, which is like having unconditional love. We've all heard of like eros, which is romantic love. Um, You might have ludus, which is playful love, pragma, enduring love, storge, like familiar love. So um, depending on, you know, you might love someone as a friend, you love your family members. You might have platonic loves, romantic loves. So definitely love can exist in different relationships and might look different. And I'm saying when we talk about the chemicality of falling in love, it's, I guess, falling more under romantic love, eros. Um, that like partnership or you know long-term or even short-term like i want to pursue and be with this person um but yeah that is kind of so there are different types of love um and from love falling in love looks different right because i think um if we get i was about to ask
0: that like is there a difference between loving someone and falling in love with someone
1: Mm. so i think like you said like i think when we love someone if we think of yeah if we think of how we feel like from like a very close friend to your mom or your dad depending on how your relationships are um you might have a lot of love for them falling in love is a bit different because you have all those like good feelings but I think it also falling in love comes with a lot of like obsession comes with a lot of um well this is general let's say it's general uh but people tend to be more obsessive people tend to be more like ownership, authoritative oriented as well. So there's a lot of um, also, I think, let's say ego attached to love, um, especially at the beginning when you're not really sure where you stand. So falling in love may not necessarily like last long since it's usually based on like infatuation, um, whereas loving someone, you can say you love someone <laughs> Again, generally, like a family member or a friend, when you, you know, you've you've been comfortable with them when you've known them for a while, and you have that like established relationship. So that's kind of the, the the differences. Um, we're talking very general, but you get what I mean, I think.
0: Right. Yeah. So does that mean it's possible to fall in love a little too fast?
1: <laughs> yes. I, um, uh, so no. i think i think okay so here, so here's what i think and i've i've been reading a lot about this uh, itself I, I personally think it says a lot how your relationship starts with someone says a lot about how it will go and how it will end so a lot of the times when we when you have someone let's say and two weeks into dating or the three weeks into dating they drop the album they're like i love you for me mm, it's a bit of a red flag. And again, I'm a big romantic. I love romance. You know, wine me, dine me, fuck me all around. But like, if someone is saying that to you um, from the get-go, you need to take a step back and first see, (laughs) see um, if that's what they mean. Because most of the time they mean they're lustful over you and they like the idea of you or they've kind of uh, thought about some sort of potential or future with you. And they're kind of liking the, they like the idea of falling in love with you more than loving you because again
0: I'm just gonna repeat that one more time. They like the idea of falling in love with you than fall than actually loving They're
1: you. Loving you. <laughs> and I think and I think it's true because even now when I start romantic relationships, I ask myself, do I like the story? Do I like how this will actually transpire or do I like the person? Like, what uh, do I like the idea of love or do I like the idea of loving this person or do I actually love this person? There are different levels. And I think it asks for a bit of um, awareness. But what I would say is, I think if someone tells you in the first couple of dates that they love you, and you know, there are relationships that have lasted from, you know, we know from our grandparents who, you know, they met once and you know they they were in love and i yes but overall for me it would be a bit of a red flag i would question the intention of that person and also i think in this kind of dating scene let's say millennials i'm just going to put it put millennials as millennials like
0: a, Gen Z going forward.
1: exactly <laughs> i think we confuse um love chemistry compatibility right like i think emotions at the beginning run high and we automatically think if we have chemistry with someone that we will be compatible with them Therefore, we are comfortable saying, I love you. But um, there's a lot to compatibility beyond love. So, um a lot to unpack but i do think you can call
0: <laughs> do you remember this line i don't know if you've watched that movie 500 days of summer yes <laughs> there's that one line said by chloe grace moretz and i love it i think it's the best line ever in the entire movie where she says just because you have a bunch of shit in common with some random girl doesn't mm. make her your soulmate." and i'm like period very
1: bad period
0: Bury that Ooh, um, girl and- but like here's the thing yeah. i don't know if it's necessarily like a bad thing to mm. f- love someone that quickly but then again i'm not that experienced in love i'm experienced in fucking
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: another episode which <laughs> is, is gonna be another episode all in all but like is it really that bad to fall in love so quickly with another person
1: i mean oh, i don't want to be that person i don't want to be that person, be that person i'm gonna do be it. that person drag drag I, us I, I, I do look I love the idea of following in love fast, but I do think there is something to be said about um, if someone can go high so fast, they can go low so fast. So Mm, I don't know. I don't know. If someone tells me three weeks in dating, I love you. I don't know. I don't then I will have to ask them like, what is your definition of love? Okay, because very personal again, but for me, uh, beyond the evolutionary psychology, loving someone really is about like understanding that person, knowing the ins and outs, uh, knowing the traumas, knowing the goods and the bads and trying to get the most I mean we're all evolving all the time, but trying to understand a good picture of that person before I can say I love you because i love you why did i say it like that
0: i love you i love you you," or i love
1: yeah i love you um i love you
0: i love you i love you
1: and, and again like i think it's cultural like it's overused in some places like we say love you to like i don't know someone we just met fine i would ask that person what they mean by love um, because I don't know if you can really know someone the first five months, you're putting up a front because you want to look cool, sexy, and hot for that person. I mean, it's true, you know, like you're like pick me, look how amazing I am. Um Yeah, so for me, yes. Again it will depend on a lot of people, but I do think you can you can fall
0: in love too fast fast but like what does it say about the person that's falling in love too fast like what are the, some of the red flags oh speaking of mm. red flags like there's this one line i love from netflix's bojack horseman where one of the characters says when you look at someone through rose colored glasses mm. all the red flags just look like flags and i'm like mm. Ooh. 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 Yeah. so um back to my question like what are those red flags when Uh, someone does fall in love? Like, what does that say about them besides, like, rushing into things?
1: Okay. So I would say the first two that come into my mind is if there's someone who is falling in love too fast, if someone, if if I have a partner who tells me I love you and I also reciprocate or I fall in love too fast or I'm the person that's saying I love you, uh, first is motive. So so there's two things. One is um, there's a thing called love bombing, which is essentially when someone... Ooh, let's get into the manipulation of love. Love, (laughs) So if someone, if I want someone to fall in love with me, and this is a lot of, and I say this because a lot of pickup artists use this. So I always try to voice this. So that you can know if someone is essentially love bombing you, which means if someone at the get go is showering you with a lot of attention, a lot of time, a lot of I love you's, you're amazing, you're this, you're that, let's do this, let's fucking go on holiday, uh, without really knowing you, they're just giving you all this love. It's a bit of a red flag, because what the fuck, you don't even know me. Why, do, why are you doing this? The idea is romantic, but you need to take a step back because what these people tend to do, and this can be conscious or subconscious, is the person who is love bombing you might try to get you to depend on them emotionally and it's gross it's gross and people are out there people are doing it's not
0: cute that's so not not cute
1: cute. speaking from personal experience okay so this is why do i come exactly so when that happens what happens is they start to slowly pull these positive reinforcements let's say the i love yous back and then you start getting confused you're like well last week you were telling me you love me now you're you now you're acting all weird so then it creates some sort of dependency and it creates this inconsistent reward so that you now are the one chasing the person for the love that you didn't even have in the first place so it's this they made
0: you dependent on them
1: exactly so this is one one kind of red flag that just to watch out for if someone is showering you with a lot of emotional love you know physical or you know with uh, with gifts and stuff the other uh the other thing might be stemming from trauma and having some sort of very anxious attachment styles so these people Ooh, i love
0: that word <laughs> i'm avoiding attachment by the way oh so.
1: hi same hi. hi oh look at that <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> <laughs> so um what, what happens when when someone is let's say super anxious or they have this anxious attachment style is they might try to get to again, we're talking very uh, traditional I guess relationships but they, they might try to like lock that person in right from the get-go. So they might they might act I mean and, and they might feel that right like I think that's valid in a sense they might really feel like they love you but uh, I've been doing so much research this week on is it love or is it trauma bonding? like are you trying to really love someone or are you trying to correct your trauma through loving someone? that is essentially repeating patterns of your childhood traumas. So that might not even be cautious uh, or conscious, but um, if someone is also very much like, here's me and I love you without even knowing you, it might also be that that person still hasn't healed through some issues that are spilling over to their romantic relationships. Those would be my two red flags.
0: Oh my God. Okay, I have a short story to tell you about my second boyfriend like, like to to drag me because i'm yuck <laughs> <laughs> i hope he's dead <laughs> no I, I truly hope he's he's trash he cheated on me oh, plus fuck his him. dick is crooked <laughs> yeah no like i swear to god he has like the worst case of oh, It shit. is. yeah it was deformed i don't know why okay. i let that thing inside of me but whatever <laughs> <I> love <laughs> well, or trauma vaulting we I... don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
0: why I let that thing inside of me to begin with. But um anyway, so the the whole thing is that our relationship started and ended very, very quickly. Mm. Like in the span of three months, we went through the entire Dug. thing. Like he said, I love you to me within a week of knowing me. Dug. And I reciprocated.
1: Dug.
0: I know. And it was probably like a bad idea because um or it was it is <laughs> probably looking back was a bad idea <laughs> it really was a bad idea also because like i wasn't fully ready to like be in a relationship but i think the idea of me getting back into it for someone to love me mm. the way i wanted to feel was like um it was exciting mm. you know so like the way we fell in love was just as quick as the way we fell mm. out of love So drag me for it. No, I mean,
1: no, I, and I think, look, I think people listening like so relatable. I have goosebumps actually when you said that, because I think everyone.
0: You Have have you experienced the same thing? (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I definitely have. I definitely have where it's so fast and it feels so good. And then when it ends, it's like, you don't even know what happened. It's only been a couple of months and you're like, what the fuck? And then if you don't even know how to let go, then it becomes a toxic cycle of in and out and in and out, which is shout out to my second boyfriend of three years of in and out, in and out literally was like fuck <laughs> like a fucking, oh. uh, yeah and i think and i think you know we have to be um there's a lot there like i think you know love is such a driving motivator for humanity i think people want to be loved people want to love people want to be accepted and feel like um feel like yeah they have unconditional love i think not it, me. It <laughs> stay away from me you're like, am <laughs> no, I'm I'm lonely <laughs> make money <laughs> <laughs> help help me love me (laughs) no daddy no i think i i really do think like love is such an interesting emotion because at at the end of the day you know people are driven by purpose people are driven by love and it's it's a big component of how we it could be self-love as well right like or any type of love but i think when i mean this story that you just told i think many people have gone through similar experiences and um identifying and even being able to say hey like that happened and maybe it wasn't a good idea it happens it's also like we don't really learn we don't really what we're talking about no one really teaches you any of this right like you don't really you Mm -hmm. just go with your emotions you kind of just there's no
0: love manual
1: exactly write that book please like there's Mm. no um like we just stumble into relationships right like even the idea of like falling in love or like falling into a relationship is fucked up like we should be consciously (laughs) understanding what's happening biologically but also choosing people based on compatibility which again you have to know yourself and what you want and how you love and how you want to be loved then to choose someone that's going to be a good partner to you whether long-term or short-term but I mean it's a good
0: thing you brought that up because my next question was going to be when is it okay to tell someone that you love them or when is it mm-hmm. acceptable for you to be like you can tell me you love me
1: so there is no I mean I have not found any like scientists I'm sure there's some research but from the ones that I read like I think Per, again, you tell me what you think, but again, very personal. It depends on if you did like long distance, if you've lived, whatever, what type of relationship you have. I would say maybe it's okay to tell someone you love them after like spending good quality time, quality, uh, quality, not just watching Netflix all the time <laughs> for True. like uh, five to seven months. That, that's what I would say. I think, you know, within six months, um, if you are into that person, fully um i would say mm, i mean i think what is it like i think the average is between like three to five months people tend to say i love you again culturally this makes a big difference um but i would say i mean it's more quality than quantity again like how you Mm, how you mm, i mm. I would say depending on how much i would say quality time five to seven months i don't know what do you think
0: i mean for me Within five to seven seconds,
1: (laughs) five to seven business days.
0: Call me. (laughs) Yeah, call me. Just so we know that we're on our schedules, we're synced up. Let's park that for now, (laughs) or whatever else other corporate speak you can say.
1: We'll circle back to that later. Thank you. We'll circle back to that.
0: we'll bring it up at the next meeting.
1: exactly <laughs> yeah i mean again it depends it really depends on the person and where they're from and okay. what kind of relationship but that's that's my personal non-scientific answer
0: right and i i, I agree like i don't think there's like a timeline of mm. when to say it. i think it's very personal and i think we should be more uh confident of when we can 100%. tell someone i love you but i think the other problem is like you know how do i know i love this person Mm. without being without being like um blinded by the rose colored Mm. glasses you know because what you like you said earlier when we're in love all these chemicals are rushing in and Mm -hmm. and we can really be blinded by that so is there like a way we can like temporarily take off those rose colored glasses in the midst
1: of that chemical high Mm. i think um It's a very good question. How to know when you're in love, essentially. Um, Beyond understanding the physical or like the body and what's going on biologically, I think it really, there's something to be said about, um, and this is why, being in tune with your emotions and being able to identify your emotions and knowing that if it's coming from a place of emotion or a place of um actual like grounded feeling gut feeling let's say for me i would say when i feel safe with someone and safe is a very um you can unpack that word a lot but for me (laughs) yeah but for me like when i can fart in front of a person (laughs) are they shitting in front of me no (laughs) oh that's so romantic no but for me it's really like i look at safety and i look at you know physically emotionally um spiritually vulnerability wise like can i be safe with this person or can this person really hold space for me and really understand me i think it's not really about like uh, it's not really about like that person really knowing how you feel or they can read your mind and you know some couples are like oh we're so in sync we don't even have to commit no fuck no uh, like, sorry don't. those
0: couples make me oh, gag. i'm Ew. like no like
1: no i mean that's great but like Sweetie. no don't it's more mm-hmm. for me for me i think it's more about that feeling of like i feel safe um because the relationships that i've had where i felt safe and then we've departed ways wow so mature we've ended mm-hmm. um i i i I don't feel resentful because i feel like at that moment that was the right relationship that served me you know it, it ran its course so for me i would say safety is a big one but what do you think how do you how do you know
0: i i would think like intimacy you know?
1: mm. when mm-hmm.
0: you're able to be vulnerable with mm-hmm. your significant other or others mm-hmm. you know poly and still maintain a sense of individuality 100%. and your own identity like you're not like codependent on them percent you're living life together not around each other mm,
1: I, I'm reading, I think
0: that's the best way.
1: i think i think I mean, yeah i think safety intimacy for that very interconnected i'm reading a very good book called seven, Lo- seven the seven levels of the seven principles of intimacy and it essentially talks about in a really um, true, let's say loving relationship. it's it's mm. exactly what you said. It's two people that are in a partnership that essentially support each other to become their best version of themselves. and they have their own purposes, but they meet halfway and essentially help each other build those purposes together. And um, mm. for me, like how I would define intimacy is like in a romantic relationship is what you said. I would say it's shared mutuality. So it's making a commitment to the relationship, whatever type of relationship you have, open, poly, uh, monogamous, monogamish, whatever. But you're saying that relationship that we have is as important as the individual persons. And you see Mm. them separately, but they work in this container together. Um, They
0: work in synchronization.
1: hundred percent.
0: Yes. The relationship you have with yourself plus the relationship you have have with with the other people are all like. You know, people six. think people
1: uh. think like one plus one equals three. No, like you have to keep your individuality um within the within the relationship itself. Um yeah, I think intimacy is I I, I mean people also think intimacy equals sex, right? And I think there's so much more no. to intimacy than mm. that itself so yeah
0: i mean like intimacies and i was like intimacy as in i want you to look inside my <laughs> yeah. pussy you know like
1: <laughs> isn't that what it is i'm sorry <laughs> I've been at intimacy
0: no <laughs> i totally had this all wrong the entire time <laughs> damn it how did we become sex this educators is to again? <laughs> oh, this is so stupid okay so like now that we have like a concept of like what love looks like in a relationship and all that What happens when love gets stale? Like, how do we keep love Mm -hmm. alive in the relationship?
1: Mm -hmm. And I think this is a very good question. And a lot of different answers. But for me, it's really much around rituals, rituals, rituals. And I don't mean when I say rituals, you plan a date. Which Candles? Is, yeah. Kitchen oh, no. Yeah. Beautiful.
0: Candles <laughs> with a pentagram and summon <laughs> up a demon. Oh, not that? Okay. Sorry. I mean, not, not tarot
1: bad. cards. No. no I, think, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I think we all know that there's different phases of a romantic relationship. So with this high that we talk about, even if you're in a um, stable relationship, those chemicals at the beginning, those rush, rushed feelings are going to go down. I mean, biologically, they will go down anywhere from after you eight months to up to seven years, right? So I think that's like the study. So um, at some point, you will transition into a second phase of your relationship, which a lot of people say, well, now I feel like this is my best friend and we don't have romance and we don't have love. We just have this like good friendship and roommate situation, which might happen. But there is a lot of ways you can work around that. So uh, one is to know from the get go that that's going to happen and to build in already if you are just starting a relationship rituals, like I said. So I think a lot of couples. um, feel like at the beginning they have amazing dates and amazing sex and actually so I, I don't know about you but like when i coached couples and they come to me for let's say sex therapy and they say the sex used to be amazing and now it's super shit and actually the sex has been the same I've had that. Yeah. it's just the chemicals and you feel like it's amazing but you've been doing doggy the whole time Sandra. like what the fuck are you saying <laughs> you know like come on <laughs>
0: jessica you know? spice it up a little bit <laughs>
1: So one is around um, one is around just building uh, inti- intimate rituals around actually scheduling time to be intimate with one another and that doesn't mean just scheduling in sex although we know that that works really well
0: um have like a nice little romantic date Yeah, exactly and i don't
1: think it has Aww. to be anything grand i think you know intimacy is in the small exactly they found that like couples that kiss every day for 10 seconds before they leave for work are three times more likely to stay together than couples that get divorced Aww. like come on I they fucking kiss for 10 seconds, seconds? <laughs> you can do that like a, you know
0: you know what if that was me i could not kiss for shorter than 10 seconds or keep it at 10 seconds it's gonna like i gotta leave for work but you want to kiss me for 10 seconds we're gonna end up fucking exactly
1: yeah. quickie oh,
0: a quickie no i'm just gonna call in sick
1: also i think there's something. calling in horny exactly. sorry can't make it bye sorry,
0: can't make it i've got a whole dick in my ass sorry boss
1: i think um so th- so of course, scheduling and intimacy in present times, And you can do that with like small dates, you can practice different sexual, um, you know, you can explore sexually together, there's a whole nother, you know, component we can talk about, but also couples who I think don't know how to have, um, uh, let's say healthy disagreements. So what tends to happen is at the beginning, we let things slide because literally the part of your brain that can make decisions in a healthy way shuts down. So you literally are like, that person is fine, or I'm going to let that slide. After a while, that's going to be activated and everything that person does might just become so annoying, you know? Um, It's so
0: complacent (laughs) just to be like, "Eh, whatever, he's toxic, I'm going to let it
1: Exactly, and what happens is when we don't talk about things that bother us in a relationship, could be something so small, these things build up, right? So then when you have an argument about who didn't take out the trash? Now you're talking about well, two years ago you didn't do da 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 da, John, and then he's like, well, you know, Sarah, you didn't do this. So a lot of shit comes up that hasn't been resolved, which means there was resentment in the first place. So I think oh. one good thing that you can do is, and I really, really advise this to every couple, and it might not be weekly, but whatever you think is a good, healthy amount is
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, as much as you schedule in intimate, intimate or like present times, to also scheduling in check-ins people are busy right like what you can do is uh what i find really helpful is like you can sit in front of each other and you can have your toes touching for example but you can be lying back so you are physically touching so you feel close and you have that intimate space and you say okay now i'm going to be listening to you tell me what or you you tell me what bothered you that week or this week what did i do Mm -hmm. that i could have you know handled better um you also schedule or arrange um how a argument starts and how an argument ends so you know that um, let's say you're leaving
0: the conversation in a good place you exactly, so you're not going to bed exactly. Angry. and yeah. even
1: if you don't even if you don't and and you might go to bed angry but I think it's about like no like your body and your mind knows that let's say we have a we have a, let's say we're arguing and we have a ritual at the end and we say that every time we have a discussion at the end we're gonna watch I don't know like one stupid cat video or like we're gonna hug for two minutes or something. What that signals is like that conversation is over and that signals to the couple. Exactly. That like, we're not going to break up. We're not going to divorce. That was a conversation. Maybe we need to pick it up, but like, that's what's happening. Also knowing Mm -hmm. when your triggers are, but okay. These are kind of like, Uh, if you're starting the relationship let's say you've been in a relationship you're listening to this and you've been in like a three-year relationship and you're like everything is boring i think this this is definitely more long term yeah more long
0: term like you're you know each other's like ups and downs Mm -hmm. faults and imperfections all that and then you're trying to live your life together Mm -hmm. and not go your separate ways
1: exactly and i think so let's say for others who um who yeah, like how do we keep the spark if you're, you, you know, you're just kind of starting off or you've been, I don't know, like you've been in the relationship for a while. Um mm-hmm. I think so. So are we talking more like sexually? Are we talking more emotionally?
0: Well, like anything, really, like, because, you know, uh, love can exist in like all levels in, or can, yeah, can manifest itself in a physical way and an emotional way.
1: I think the overarching Idea around here is unpredictability, how to incorporate mm. unpredictability and playfulness into your relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's something really beautiful about being comfortable with someone enough to actually bring in more playfulness. Um, you know, let's talk about sex, for example. Like, let's, let's, and even if that person is not adventurous, it's small things like, okay, let's try dirty talk, for example, erotic talk. Like, we become so mute when we're having sex. And after a while, I mean, we've all had this where you just kind of fuck a little bit before you go to bed. Like, you know? I have
0: heard, I have heard a girl describe her boyfriend in bed as ninja quiet.
1: Oh, stop. Oh, oh no. my God, that's so
0: bad. Ninja quiet. Like, how silent do you have to be to be like, he's that's not ugly. even here
1: that's so bad oh. i mean like you
0: can't yeah. even just say like i love fucking you like this or you feel good in yeah. between my arms like you can't even say that
1: i think oh. people i don't know why we we become so mute at in, in during such an intimate time and i understand that like there there's a level of like um discomfort at the beginning that you have to go through but if you use like i and me or me and you statements and you just even describe like i love it when you put your dick i don't know between whatever right like fill in the space Mm -hmm. um it can even be i love it when you touch me like this or i love that you kiss me this way or i love that when you put pressure on you know my pussy this way it makes me feel so wet like even just describing oh cute (laughs) even just describing those things i think you know dirty talk could be one um if there's more couples that are adventurous like even just going through like a yes no maybe list it sounds super similar but maybe you're gonna go through that's the so hot and, i
0: love that i love right? the yes no maybe list. same oh, and
1: like maybe you're gonna yeah. both circle like i don't know going to a sex toy store, uh, store together and like buying a buying a dildo that you're both going to use, right? Like, that's so hot. Like, it's small A
0: Hitachi magic wand. Yes.
1: It's small Best vibrator on the market. I think sexually, there's, like, a lot that can be done. Um, So, John Gottman, uh, we know, like, the holy grail of, like, relationships, the godfather of all relationships, Mm -hmm. has an incredible book called The Seven Principles of Making a Marriage Work, which I think also overspills into how how to make a relationship work. Um, Mm -hmm. And he Mm -hmm. goes through things like, um I think one is like enhance your love maps so he says like love is actually in the details like he found that and he's been studying couples for like 50 years so this guy has like all the data and he says that the couples that tend to actually um you know sustain in the long term are couples that um do small things for each other during the day you know and they are paying attention to the small things so if you tell me i love it uh i love having i don't know raspberry ice cream uh, on thursdays after this kind of uh, after recording podcasts or whatever if if you say something so minor and your partner brings you raspberry ice cream on thursdays after you record a podcast that's super cute you know it's not yeah we
0: take things like we take small little little things like that for granted exactly
1: and we think you know i think we think if we fuck up and then one person just throws in like a big grand gesture let me take you on holiday let me buy you something expensive those are nice things but Ultimately, it's the small things, day to day things, that build intimacy, um, and the bigger things are, of course, like bonuses. Um, there's something
0: around <laughs> ice cream and doggy style, <laughs> exactly,
1: and a dildo, amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of science around like turning towards each other rather than away from each other. So a lot of the times when couples are stressed, especially let's take in this fucking pandemic into account, they might not want to burden the other person with what's going on but they find that people who don't share the negative sides of things because they don't wanna burden the other person tend to slowly grow apart. So finding space, again, time to connect and check in. Um, There's something around like uh, overcoming gridlocks. Like if there are solvable problems, like solve them immediately. So these are like the low hanging fruits in your relationship. If there is an issue or something you did, I'm not gonna let it linger. Let's talk about it. Let's solve it if we can do something about it. there's around like creating shared meaning so of course we said two different or many people within a relationship have all individual purposes and we're all helping each other for that but ultimately the relationship also needs to have some sort of shared purpose and shared goal that you're working towards that might be building a family that might be i don't know building a house that might be backpacking for i don't know a month it doesn't have to be um uh, traditional but uh, something like that where you can check in um as well so smaller things like this um i don't know what do you think with from your i mean
0: like i like all that for me like it, it is like the wellness check-in mm. spicing it up mm. i think spicing it up is so important like it should be the top of the list i like, agree i i love like chocolate ice cream but i don't <laughs> want to have it every day right i would like if you gave me vanilla or strawberry mm. or, Cookies and cream. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I can't just do missionary every single night. Like, fucking, I don't know, invite a third person to the bedroom.
1: 100%. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. when we talk about, especially a porn star, (laughs) (laughs) maybe we can film it. Maybe we can make a porno. Yeah, you know,
0: a little bit just for us.
1: Maybe an OnlyFans, you know, you don't know. But, like, (laughs) but I do think, especially when we talk like spicing it up sexually. And why I think sex education and why these conversations or more sex educators are so needed wherever you are in the world is because we are not thought to own our pleasure, let alone know how to communicate that. Like, it's such a far Mm -hmm. stretch. And it's so important. When someone tells me "Sex sex is not important in my relationships, I'm already like, that's a fucking red flag for me. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I was having a conversation the other day with a friend and they were saying, you know, if I find a partner who is perfect in every way and we just we have the worst sex in the world or we never fuck, I'm okay with that. I'm like, Really? Are you really okay with that? Nope. Nope. No. Nope. Bye. next. Nope. No thank me. you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, next. Literally. Next. Also, like from what I'm studying, if you look more into like Tantra and stuff, literally when we're orgasming, we're hitting like enlightenment <laughs> stage and we're like, mm-hmm. you know, we're very mm-hmm. that's a different type of sensation and we're meant to experience pleasure regardless of if you're uh if you're what whatever type of body you have, whatever type of right. sex you're having, you're meant to experience pleasure um and you're meant to fuck, you know. So um very bad. sexually is really about Finding a partner that you feel comfortable, safe, and intimate enough to explore your own pleasures without feeling judged, so that you can communicate and explore things even together. For me, like having sex is so much like stretching your boundaries in so many different ways. Um, it can be so intimate. Yeah,
0: I love that. Oh, that's so much. Oh,
1: Stretch it's me out me. in all the ways. <laughs> stretch me out, please.
0: <laughs> Welcome to Parent Teacher Night. Oh yes, Miss Garner.
1: If you have one of those airline credit cards, you're probably not earning double miles on every purchase.
0: You're right. My card only gets extra miles on some types of purchases.
1: With the Capital One Venture card, you earn unlimited double miles everywhere.
0: Wait, but where can we use them?
1: You can use Capital One Venture miles on any travel purchase.
0: (gasps) Venture gets an A+.
1: Capital One, what's in your wallet?
0: Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. So I want to shift the conversation a little bit to the other side of love. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the downside dun, of dun, love, dun. you know. So, yep, very bad. <laughs> um, when earlier I said about, like, how a relationship should be you're going your own individual direction mm-hmm. uh, to avoid uh, separating ways. What does it look like when you start to go your separate ways? Like, what's happening in that crash that mm. you know when the high is gone and you know couples and relationships they start to fall apart mm. what's happening in the brain like what are the feelings that come up
1: yeah yeah and let's preface that i've i feel anyone who's listening to this is going through any sort of breakup i've been through three and it felt like i went to hell and back so i feel you Same. we're here for you <laughs> send us a dm if you want to talk um yeah it's
0: slide cheap. in my dms if you want to fuck
1: <laughs> well, fuck or talk same same
0: yep same same same, same.
1: <laughs> so essentially i mean i think breakups are i mean it's kind of like when you break up you are mourning the death of a person the symptoms the biological factors what's happening in the brain is very similar to what you're going through is essentially very similar to if someone Hand dies over? or that
0: oh. <laughs> or Whoa. that Jesus. yeah yeah so they oh, found no.
1: they found a lot of studies between um, griefing over someone who's passed and griefing over a relationship of course is going to depend on the type of relationship but let's say let's, let's say okay we're looking at like normal breakups what's happening in your mm-hmm. mind so we talked about earlier that when you're falling in love the part of your mind that is um, related to addiction is triggered so it's the same thing that part of the brain is triggered so it's as if if you were going through withdrawals um, from cocaine, you are going through withdrawals of love. That dopamine crash that you feel literally feels like <laughs> feels like you. Uh, yeah, like you're going through withdrawals. Like your body might uh, start shaking. You might still not be able to sleep, eat. Um, you just feel yeah. You just feel that dopamine crash. So you might feel like you're going through withdrawals of love, where you uh, then it turns into obsessively thinking about the person. So the part of your brain.
0: Oh my God.
1: It's fucked up. The Why part, did you read me aloud? Like
0: I was <laughs> okay, Facebook my ex. Oh.
1: So, fucked up. so the part of your brain that controls um, like unconscious acts, like, like when we breathe, uh, it also processes like pleasure, reward, like we said, and the acts of falling in love. So when you actually break up, the part of your brain gets triggered and you unconsciously remain in love with your ex. If you've been dumped, and Whoa. it's got it's so bad, honestly, <laughs> so rough, bad. So rough. It's very common if you're finding yourself, especially after a breakup, um, obsessing, like totally obsessing over someone, and you're th- you're like, this is unhealthy. Yes, and it's unhealthy, but it's very normal if you're constantly checking on them, you're thinking about them uh we also tend to think always the highs right like we paint the best picture of the relationship even if that person this happened to me my my ex cheated on me and i was like but he's the one like really bitch like is he really the one like (laughs) on you know so your brain uh, because of that reward system is thinking like you've just lost something you've lost the reward and then the third thing is you know your body actually feels physical pain which is again fucked up so the part of your brain That's When processing. I got dumped, it
0: felt like a punch in the gut.
1: Exactly. And like the part of the brain that processes um, anxiety related to physical pain. So if you are going down like a really steep hill when you're skiing or a roller coaster, that anxiety that you might have of like anticipation of physical pain, let's say it's the same area. So if you, they they, they did this whole study and they took, all it must be such a fucking sad study. They took all these people who were dumped recently and they were like, look at a picture of your ex and we're going to fucking scan your brain. That's so that's the most miserable fucking study ever like thanks who the fuck signed up for it? Like i would love like... to be the scientist behind
0: that study that's so like, that's sadistic yeah. that is yeah fucked i think up.
1: they were getting some sort of like you know interest from that but they were think, getting the
0: rocks off yeah from, yeah like, they watching yeah, people yeah. be heartbroken they were like
1: going home and like masturbating to that shit. but like <laughs> i think it's actually hella mr i'm sorry Helen. <laughs> yeah, like, you're awesome but essentially what they found is like people who looked at their looked at the pictures of their exes um, uh, and they they reported like you said, like punch in the gut or like uh, feeling your heart is breaking. they found that the brain is actually processing that emotion as like a as literal physical pain. The parts of your brain that light up when you get when you break an arm, for example, is the same part. So when you feel like your heart is breaking, your body is thinking your heart is breaking, which is which is so sad but that's also mm, happening so uh, no, no. so yeah you might feel you, when people say like it hurts yeah I, I remember it I'm physically never yeah, I remember like when I when I got dumped by my first boyfriend it was so dramatic I went to this whole field uh, I sat in the middle of a softball field and I was crying and it literally felt like it literally felt like someone was ripping my heart apart and now I, I guess it, it was you know shout out to him thanks Um mm-hmm. <laughs> but the good news is the good news is this your brain is not a total asshole so the parts of your brain that are like girl we're gonna get through this are also you know working over time so the prefrontal cortex Aww. the part of your thanks brain exactly thanks brain uh, it's the it's the part of your brain that is uh processing emotional reassessment already is uh recalibrating in a sense and it's already imagining your future without your ex it's painting that picture for you and it's a positive picture um the the thing is when people ask me all the time like how long will this last how, how long am I gonna feel so shitty and unfortunately it's it's again very dependent on the type of relationship you had what kind of family structure you had what kind of other relationships you had because sometimes we also find that when there's a breakup that might trigger other breakups so you might be mourning for like three fucking breakups in one mm-hmm. in one breakup so it depends but we know that you will get through that um right so that's that's what it looks
0: like uh that's what it looks like in the brain when uh we're going through the phases of a breakup Mm -hmm. but i also want to like ask you about um what does it look like when we're relating to that other person when the love is gone you know um what how are we treating them how are we seeing them what is it what does a loveless relationship start to look like Mm.
1: so um is this in the context of a loveless relationship, yeah, like, and we're still in it, or a loveless relationship, and we've broken up.
0: A loveless relationship while you're still in it. Mm-hmm. Like I've been with this guy for three years now, and I'm just not feeling it anymore. Yeah, we're
1: over. It. Yeah, I mean, and it's what a... are the red
0: flags that I should be mm-hmm. like on the lookout?
1: So a, a theory. I'm such a nerd, and but I, I love this. A theory that um, explains this because you know I feel like it's such a common common concern that people seek therapy for like i don't feel the way i used to feel so i think a a theory that explains this really well is a theory from the 1980s and it's um it's it's by a guy called robert sternberg and you might have seen this theory of love triangle essentially yeah. yeah so essentially there's three components to he's saying there's three components to explaining how love can sustain or not sustain and there are a combination of intimacy passion and decision. And
0: commitment.
1: Yeah, is exactly commitment decision. So um yeah. intimacy is you know that like feeling again of like closeness, connectedness, bond. Passion is the feeling and desire of like to fuck. And decision and commitment is to essentially
0: um want to stay the long term.
1: Exactly. So um he says that if you have intimacy without passion or commitment, you have liking which is I think what tends to happen in some relationships. When you feel like you're out of love, I think what's happening is you have commitment um to that person but you don't have intimacy or you don't have passion because they tend to go in hand in hand so he describes us as empty love so so it's it's hard for people i think because when they quote unquote feel like they fall out of love they're still committed and they still i think in one way or another have love for that person they just feel like quote they are not in love with that person anymore or they're not Mm, they don't have intimacy mm. or passion and that's a whole other thing of like you can you can harness love and you can harness intimacy but that's kind of what's happening i think you just feel like there's empty love and then again like if you have passion and in your relationship and you don't have intimacy or commitment then you're just infatuated essentially so that's kind of the yeah the theory around it
0: for sure um this is more of like an opinion question but Mm -hmm. like do you think there's any way that a loveless relationship can be saved like is there like a point of no return or can you mm. like spark some love, like jumpstart love mm-hmm. back into that relationship?
1: I think the, the depressing fact is I think um, they found that like 60% of relationships will end anyway. <laughs> hey. Oh, uh, no. But, but. Staying I'm, single forever, baby. Yes, exactly. But I do think you can, um, again, it depends on the, the reason why that relationship has fizzled down to that point. I think if it's just, um, let's say, lack of effort, but there was no cheating, there was no nothing. It was just essentially two people who were comfortable, and then they just were too comfortable, and they didn't really put in any effort, and they've ended there. I think there are ways you can re-spark that with, like we talked about, with um, you know, um, engaging or giving more communication tips adding more spice to your sex life their sex life is so connected to your relationship and how it's going okay so if you have a stale-ass sex life you have a stale-ass relationship i don't care who says otherwise like i really believe that like i Mm -hmm. think they're because the level of commitment or the the level of communication is needed to have a good sex life to keep it exciting is the same conversation or the same amount of awareness we need in a relationship um so, so I do think, yeah, I do think if couples that seek therapy that, you know, have had this like staleness in their relationship through either, you know, different sexual ways or through yeah, different, yeah. Um, yeah, different other methods can, I think, definitely reignite. Especially even questions like, can I get back together with my ex? Like, I think yes, depending on how you right. broke up. Like, I think if there right. is that level, that base of like trust, um, the base of safety, that base of like you already know each other. And you've resolved mm. the issue of either it was a condition that broke you guys up, let's say long distance has been resolved, or there was a problem with one person and they've resolved that. I think for sure, like, you know, um, it's very mm. general, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what I think personally. What do you think?
0: To like save a relationship. Mm. I mean, I've never bothered to save a relationship.
1: <laughs> you like, <because> bye.
0: <laughs> I move on from one guy to another real quick. But no, uh, seriously, I think there is a chance. Uh, depending on the breakup which is actually um my next question like are there right and wrong ways to break up
1: mm, I think like,
0: is, there, is there is there a way to consciously uncouple and mm-hmm. and bow out of the relationship with grace I and think compassion
1: I'm so nice I wish we could all do that so I, I mm-hmm. mean <laughs> I do I do okay I might be a little bit of an optimist and I did not to preface again I've had None of my breakups look like this. I did not gracefully uncouple consciously from any of my breakups. But I do think there is a way to break up with, uh, let's say, with grace and with, like, less pain as possible. So one Mm -hmm. is what you brought up, which is um, unconscious coupling. Um, For those who, let's say, like, don't know what that means, uh, it's essentially when two people decide together that that relationship is no longer um, serving them. Viable. um, It's run its course. Um, And yeah, and uh, they get together, they have a conversation. All the things that they want to ask or process are said in a very healthy way. And then they mutually depart ways and they make a commitment that if anything comes up at any point where one person might still have lingering questions, they're still in contact. Mm -hmm. That's like if you're super mad man i think like i don't know mature many, exactly like
0: fully exactly, like, exactly like, in like, touch with your emotions exactly
1: <laughs> and like i don't really know how many people can consciously uncouple no tea no shade i also don't think i i don't even know if myself i can consciously uncouple mm. um mm-hmm. so that that's like if you have that level of yeah awareness good for me i think what what and I think I say that with like peace and love. I think a really good way and a healthy way to uh, separate ways is actually incorporating some sort of non-contact rule. Like I'm a mm. big fan of um, blocking people. And I don't mean that in like a bad my sense. My favorite
0: word, block, <laughs> block. Block, block, block,
1: Like I don't mean that in like a, I don't, I've, I've blocked all my exes, but I didn't mean that in like a bad way. I think it's just more about your own like you need to put into reality of the fact that that person is no longer in your life and you essentially are unweaving all the parts that you have weave together. And I think no contact rule works really well because even if you've broken up and I've I've had people, I've had clients who are like, my boyfriend and I broke up, I still want to get back together with them. Or you want to move on. It's literally the same process. Getting back together with your ex and moving on is the same process. First, you need to no contact and you need to actually spend alone time to see first build more emotional uh, dependency on yourself, but also to see what kind of impact, how you feel without that person and give that person space to also feel out how their life is without you. Because either you both are gonna realize, oh shit, like we actually do make a good couple and we should get back together. Or you're gonna be like, I feel mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Why the fuck did I stay in that relationship? I'm gonna <laughs> fucking move on. It's the same, it, it sounds so simple, but it's really about focusing on yourself, no contact for me. And mm-hmm. ending it respectfully, so obviously things like, you know, um, I think ego gets in the way, especially if someone yeah. is cheated. And I've been a breakup
0: is so, it feel like a breakup feels so, so personal. personal. Right? It's so
1: personal. It's mm. not personal. Like an attack on
0: who you are. Hundred
1: percent. I mean you're essentially that person is on choosing you. Like how fucking shitty is that? Like that person is essentially uh. saying to your ego, You're not good enough for me. Or you know, if if something let's talk about cheating, for example, if that went down um we take it as oh shit like that person like i'm not enough for someone but cheating Mm -hmm. and this is what i believe is never actually like the cause of a breakup it's kind of like the outcome of that relationship right there's
0: something deeper exactly
1: and either that person wasn't ready to commit or you know one it's so that's a lot to unpack but I think if you can consciously uncouple, amazing. If you can't block that person for six months and be like, hey, it's not personal. (laughs) I just need to, you know, remove you from my life. And really, exactly. And um, just communicating and being like, again, let's say there was no bad blood. Just being like, you know, I really enjoyed our time. I've learned a lot. Again, none of this is really happening, but hopefully it happens with some people and just kind of trying mm-hmm. your best to focus on yourself. And I would right. say don't right. jump back into a relationship quickly or don't go back into the dating scene quickly. Heal that, right. um, yeah.
0: Which actually kind of segues me into my very, very last question. What does it look like for us as individuals when we've fully healed from the hurt of the loss of love? Mm.
1: Oof, damn. The way mm-hmm. you, the loss of love. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, this is very personal, I think. But for me, I would say it's when you are no longer holding on to any sort of anger, sadness, guilt, grief for yourself yes. and for the other person. Um, I think a lot of. I'm times... raising
0: my hands like you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you think,
1: you know, yeah. I think. Um, a lot of the times, a lot of post breakup recovery focuses a lot on letting go of the other person. But I think there's a big component of like forgiving yourself for how you were treated or how you allowed yourself to be treated or how you acted depending on, you know, how the relationship went down. And I think that is the long-term killer than the other person. Um, so, so two components of when you can look back at a relationship and, you
0: know, No longer feel resentment, no but long, rather growth.
1: Exactly. And you can say, you know, you were a shitty ass person, but I've learned this, this, this. and
0: uh, About me, about you.
1: Exactly. And I wish you whatever, indifference. Indifference is worse <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> um, or the Adele approach, you know, <laughs> never
0: mind, I'll find someone like you.
1: Exactly. I think it's more like this, the feeling that you have in your body of like, I've really let go of the emotions The moment you feel indifferent, I think, is the moment you feel like you've fully moved on. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not on my higher horse saying, like, you should feel this way. I've held on to a lot of resentment for years and years on some of my relationships. Mm -hmm. When you've been Mm -hmm. hurt, when you've been hurt in so many levels, um, it takes a long time to heal. Um, Mm -hmm. But ultimately, yeah, exactly. And ultimately, you understand that people treat you, even in relationships, how they see themselves. They're just mirroring the internal world to you so someone's uh, been shitty to yeah. you it's nothing to do with you um yeah, yeah.
0: It's them. that's on them honey don't ever it's feel them. bad yeah. about exactly being dumped because you are a queen exactly you are a royalty, and you should be treated like one and you e- should find someone that treats you exactly as such.
1: exactly oh
0: my god oh. Chicha, we, we literally went through the entire roller rollercoaster all, do- all, all the emotions
1: seriously i'm drinking wine right uh. now <laughs>
0: Yes, I'm here for it. Uh, you didn't see it, but like the cup of tea I had was spiked with a little bit of uh, Bailey's. So, <laughs> <laughs> good morning. <laughs> I mean, when you know what, hey, right, when you're talking about love, you gotta like you know get some Drink to alcohol inside exactly. you, you know. You. Uh, this was such a lovely conversation, you to you ch- and I love me. oh, thank you for coming on. Like, I love all the things you said. I can't get enough of you, I'm sure the <laughs> audience can't get enough of you either. Stop. So, please feel free to plug in anything that you want your social media where can people find you
1: you can find me Damn, it's going to be hard you can find me on instagram because my website is under construction (laughs) but you can find me um on instagram tuchabalik uh t-u-g-c-e-b-a-l-i-k it's very hard to find me but you if you want to find me you'll find me okay (laughs)
0: i'll link it i'll link it for them in the show notes
1: (laughs) and um and yeah you can send me a dm my dms are always open i try to engage with people uh as best as i can without giving direct advice if i don't know your sexual history obviously or your relationship history but i'm always here to chat if someone's going through a hard time and um yeah you can also email me it's on my instagram as well
0: yeah Uh, i love it thank you so much tutra and thank you so much listeners for tuning in i'll see you at the next episode bye thanks for listening to the sex ed with tim podcast sex ed with tim is created and produced by me tim lagman music is aces high by kevin mcleod Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GaySlutClown and at SexEdwithTim. You can also like and follow me on the SexEd with Tim Facebook page. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better, you can also support the show on Patreon, where you can get early access to ad-free episodes and more. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut. Mwah.
1: If you've got an insurance question, you could talk to a dentist. But instead of filling you in on ways to save on your policies, he'd probably be too busy filling in that loose crown. Or you could talk to your local GEICO agent, who will use their expertise to polish up your policies from home and auto to renters, motorcycle, boat and RV, too. So while, yes, your dentist can save your smile, your GEICO agent could save you money, which will make you use that smile a whole lot more. To find a GEICO agent near you, visit geico.com local.